Okay, so uh, I told everybody that what we were going to do is we're going to do our fishy story part two is what we're going to have uh, today. Uh, and this is going to be a lot more discussion than we had in the in previous shiurim, as well as in uh, uh, certainly the uh, the last case. There we go. So first I have to tell you the story. And then once I share with you the story, so then we will uh, do a lot more uh, analysis together uh, with just a few sources inside. You can see that all you, it's all of four sources, short uh, amount of uh, sources, uh, and much more of it is going to be our analysis. And you'll uh, you'll let me know uh, to what degree you uh, agree uh, with my uh, with my analysis, my understanding of the, of what's going on, and to what degree uh, not. Okay. So the story goes like this. You have a, uh, some high-powered lawyer or something who uh, decides that he, uh, he uh, uh, gets himself a, new, a fancy new office. And in the fancy new office, he has them put in a fancy aquarium. So this also is going to have all sorts of tropical fish and whatnot, which are swimming around. And it's just uh, enjoyable for everybody to, uh, to look at. And this becomes uh, uh, the, the thing that he's most proud of in the office, forget about his uh, his law work. Uh, he's much more uh, focused on the, the fish, which are swimming around in this uh, this aquarium. He hires a uh, a new secretary, one who has uh, you know years and years of experience as a legal secretary, and uh, unfortunately for him, uh, he does not uh, appreciate her value and her experience as a legal secretary. He thinks that her main job is to take care of the fish. So therefore, he says all the time, first thing in the morning is you got to come in before you check your emails, before you check the mail, before you check anything else, make sure you feed the fish and make sure, gave her all sorts of instructions, whatever it is, in order to, uh, to take care of the, uh, the fish. And as clients would come in and out, so he would comment, the lawyer would comment to the, uh, to the, the clients that this, uh, his secretary, her main job is taking care of the fish. And that's all he associated her with was uh, her taking care of the fish and really disregarded completely uh, uh, the, uh, the value which she had in terms of her, uh, being a legal secretary. She had enough already. So she decides that she finds herself another job. After she finds herself another job, what she does is, is she leaves. She go, goes early in the morning and she leaves on his table a container. We're going to call it a closed container. We're going to say a container of, once again, some predatory beautiful tropical fish. So to the untrained eye, they look not much different than the rest of the tropical fish, which are swimming around already in his uh, aquarium. But the difference is, is that these are predatory fish. And if you go ahead and you put them together with the other fish, they will go ahead and they will eat them. And she says, on the note, she says, I appreciate very much the opportunity that you gave me to, uh, to be a legal secretary. Some personal things uh, uh, arose, which makes it impossible for me to be able to continue. But as a show of deep hakara satov, I'm giving you this gift of these new 10 beautiful fish. So the lawyer says, oh, that's very nice of her. I, I knew she really liked the fish all along. And he goes ahead and not knowing what's going on because he doesn't really know how to take care of the fish. So he goes ahead and puts them into the aquarium, shows up the next morning at work and alas, the fish are all gone or the original fish are all gone. And all that's left are these 10 fish, which she, which the secretary had purchased for him and gave him. Now, the secretary 
the next morning, uh, she uh, begins to feel a little bit guilty about uh, what she did, setting him up as she did for, uh, for the fish, which she gifted him to go ahead and eat up all of his fish. And she calls up uh, her local rav or whatever and tells him the story and says, do I have to do tshuva? Do I owe him any money? Do I not owe him any money? Do I have to do tshuva? What is my responsibility moving forward? Uh, it's in times like these that, uh, that we were about him say, it would have been much easier had you asked a Shaila before you did what you did. But now that uh, it's already after the fact, and now we got to go ahead and, uh, as all of you know, we got to clean up the mess. So now the question is, what exactly is the mess which she is responsible to, uh, to clean? Is she responsible to pay for the, uh, the fish? Okay? You guys got the story? Okay. So now we're going to begin with, uh, so first of all, is she responsible for the fact that she gifted him these, uh, these fish, which he ended up putting into the, uh, into the, fi- into the fish thing? Question. Yes, Sal. My memory is not that good, I'll admit, but by my recollection, this is a completely different story from the way it started last week. Yes, this is not a continuation of last week's story. Ah, thank you. This is, it's just a second fish story. But not the not a continuation. This is not okay. the sequel. It's not Thank the you. sequel, not the prequel, not the quote. It's not the any any of those things. Right. Okay. So is she responsible? So what she essentially did was she set him up to go ahead and put these uh, the uh, the predatory fish into his aquarium, which uh, successfully, in terms of her original intent, successfully went ahead and messed him up because now he's got a bunch of dead fish in the uh, the fish tank. So is she responsible? Is she not responsible? So we begin with source number one over here. And this is a, uh, a very important source because it has all sorts of, uh, as they would say in modern Hebrew, hashlachot, all sorts of applications to different types of, uh, different types of professions. And that's why it's an important source to, uh, to know. So the Gemara says as follows, itmar. So we learn, hamare dinar l'shochani. So if somebody goes ahead and uh, they consult with a money changer. So back in the time of Chazal, every time a new ruler would take over, so he would go ahead and he would cancel all the previous currency, and he would mint a bunch of new coins, and you as the consumer, so you're you as the, uh, right, the consumer, so you have no idea whether or not these coins which you now have in your possession, they are good coins, they're valid currency, they're not valid currency, it was very difficult to be able to discern. So there were experts who would go ahead and tell you. So you go ahead and uh, uh, Ralph goes to the uh, money changer and says, hey, are these coins valid or not? And he says, the money changer says, yes, this is valid currency. You're good to go. You could accept it. And it turns out the money changer was dead wrong. And these are, uh, these are, not, the valid, these are not valid coins at all. These are counterfeit. So is the money changer responsible for the bad advice which he gave or not? So as we would expect, Tani Chada, one Brisa teaches, Uman Pater Hedyor Chayev, if the money changer is a professional, he's a licensed uh, professional, and he gives bad advice, he is exempt. In the event that you ask your brother-in-law's cousin, who is a self-proclaimed expert in currency, but really has no qualifications whatsoever. So when he gives bad advice, he would be chayev. V'tanya idach, and the second verse says, ben uman ben hedyot chayev, no matter who the person is who gave the bad advice, he's going to be chayev. Now, the main thing for us, for our purposes tonight is, is a professional who makes an error 
in terms of giving professional advice, is he liable for that bad advice or not? So we have a steer, we have a contradiction, inconsistency between two brises. Amr of Papa of Papa says, Kitanya Uman Pater, that really there's no disagreement at all. It depends on the case. That when the Brysa says that he's going to be Pater, that is Kagon Dankuva Isser. That is uh, professionals of the stature like Danku and Isser. These are names. Rashi says that's what's in the brackets over here. Sochanim Umnin Hayu. So they were well-known professional money changers or currency examiners in their time, in Rav Papa's time. So experts like this, so who go ahead and they end up making a mistake. So they are going to be exempt. Why? Because they are such experts, they don't even need continuing education courses. They are considered to be knowledgeable experts who are just able to do their job and they don't... uh, uh, and they, uh, they, they don't need further education, and therefore they have all the certif- certification necessary. And therefore, the way we look at it halachically is the fact that such a qualified expert made an error is an onus, and therefore we say that that's an onus which is on the, uh, uh, falls on the shoulders of the customer. Somebody of that stature generally doesn't make a mistake. If they happen to have made a mistake, on your dime, literally, not figuratively, but they made a mistake on your dime. So that that onus is something which happened that was divinely ordained by God to happen to you. And therefore there's no recourse whatsoever. So the Gemara asked the obvious question, but wait a minute, if they're such experts, so so if they're such uh, great experts, certified experts in the field, so then how can they make a mistake? If they know their if they know the material, they don't make mistakes uh, like uh, like that. So Mora says, They made a mistake in the article translates it as the new stamping die, meaning, and here the rest the, the brackets now is Rashi. A new ruler came in, a new uh, president uh, steps into the uh, to the Oval Office. And he goes ahead and says, I want nothing to do with the previous president, if you can imagine such a thing. I want nothing to do with the previous president. And therefore, he disqualified or declared counterfeit all of the old currency. And he went ahead and established a new currency. And it was so new that even certified experts, such, such as Danko and Isser, they were not yet experts in this new currency, and therefore they made a mistake. The he shaita, the nafik sikta, because it was in, in that exact moment that they first started issuing these newly minted coins, and therefore they didn't. They, these are even people such as Danko and Isser, so they were unfamiliar with it, and therefore it's considered to be an onus, as we said, and as an onus, so they're not going to be chayv. Okay. So that is halachas. And there's, again, there's all sorts of, uh, I'll get to you in one second, Mel. There's all sorts of applications about the, this. When somebody is high for bad advice, and they're not high for, uh, for bad advice, but there is a notion that if somebody comes to you for advice, that they are going to be, there's a potential uh, risk that the advice giver has if you know that the person seeking advice is going to be relying upon you, in the event that you good advi- uh, give bad advice, there are times when you c- would be chayev, and there are times when you uh, may be exempt. Yes, Mel.
don't the experts have an obligation to tell the customer that this is a new series and we don't have a, any experience with it? And so we are not experts with this. Um, yeah, I hear, I hear. Um, I, I, I don't have a good answer for that uh, right now. Um, I think generally, they're, uh, I guess they're able to rely on their general expertise, their ability to um, sniff out uh, uh, counterfeit uh, coins or not. And uh, generally, they, uh, they're pretty good at it. Well, but once in a while, in something will, yeah. That would be in relation to the old currency. If the new currency is so new that they don't have a, a history of it, how can they say that they're experts? That sounds like it's false uh, advertising. Uh, yeah, I hear, I hear. So I, I, I did not, be, beyond uh, what you have in front of you over here um, uh, with the, the Gemara and Rashi, so I did not look uh, any deeper than that as far as why the fact that this is a new currency that should um, uh, nullify their expertise. Because clearly they can't have expertise in this new currency because it just came out. So therefore their, their, their general categorization as an expert should, be, uh, should not be relevant. I think that's what you're, uh, you're suggesting. Yes, yes. Very good, very good. I don't know. Mirz uh, Hashem, when Daf Yomi gets to Baba Kamat Saditas, I will have a, uh, a response for you. I'll let you know when we get there, when we're getting closer, Mel. You'll join us. Yes, Achi. I think, I think what it's saying, though, is they're getting a pass because they're experts. It doesn't matter, you know, new currency or non-currency. They are the best people that would know. So therefore, we can rely on them and you know, they still make mistakes, but we can rely on them because they're became they're they are the most relevant people who can give advice on this. Um, so that's why they're getting a pass. They're considered like like a I mean I, I there's so many ram you know applications of this that have ramifications, but I mean like a doctor. You right. know, you know, a yeah. doctor of a, a a a doctor of something you know of a specialty is is you know the specialist, but you know, does he? He knows more than me as an accountant when it comes to medicine on anything else. I can still rely on his expertise without. I, I think that's what the Gemara is. It sounds like that's what the Gemara is doing. The Gemara is establishing that as a Bucky, they're they're putter because because they're a Bucky in in these matters. Right. Yeah, that's true. But the, I think what Mel Mel is asking is if we take your profession for a moment, so you say, let's say there's a, uh, a, a new tax law, a new loophole or a new something which comes up and uh, uh, the, uh, as a result of not uh, filing things correctly, so the person ends up with a greater tax liability. So is the accountant responsible for that error? In the case of COVID-19, all the doctors say, we don't know. I don't know why it would be different for the Talmud case. Right, right. So that's, I mean, what, what, what Sachi is suggesting, I think, is that, uh, that w once you're a qualified expert, even if in a particular detail something is new, still you get the, uh, the, uh, the, the protection of being an expert. <laughs> I, I, I didn't say you have to agree, Mel. I'm just explaining. <laughs> so it's, uh, so you, you, you get this, uh, this exemption for, having been, uh, for being an expert in the field uh, and therefore, we could go ahead and say if, if an error was made, it's still good. We're going to categorize it as an onus. You're saying that that nobody's going to be considered to be an expert on something. Nobody gets categorized as an expert on something which is completely new that we already know that they can't possibly have experience to know about. And therefore, 
expert is a relative uh, is a relative thing, or it's a case by case basis, rather than just this broad categorization which we're going to assign to them. Let the consumer yeah. beware. Consumer beware. That's uh, yeah. Yeah, I could give you other cases where we have even uh, even more uh, uh, even wilder than this. But we're not going to do that now. Okay, so this is so now as far as the relevance over here. So this the the potential liability that one would have for being an expert uh, who is uh, who makes an error. So in this case, it's not, it would, it's not applicable anyways. Although you may think that it would be applicable and say that she was uh, that as a non-expert in the field of fish, so maybe she should be liable. But over here, nobody asked her for any advice whatsoever. No, the uh, the lawyer didn't say to her, "Hey, could you advise me on some?" good new fish I could add to the aquarium, which would add to the value and the beauty of the aquarium. Had that been the case that he uh, asked her for her professional or non-professional advice about sprucing up or improving the aquarium, then there will be what to argue whether or not she's going to be liable for giving this bad advice or not. With, with all of the leaf neighbor, lo cite and all that about the Yisudarais of giving it bad advice, but all of that, but that would be true. This Gemara over here, in Babakama is applies when one's advice is sought. Over here, where the lawyer didn't consult her at all about uh, this uh, this fish, so that source is not really going to be so uh, so relevant. So really, what we have to look at is the actual Misa hezek, the actual damages which took place, and try and pinpoint who is going to bear bear responsibility for uh, for that. So now, the first thing we would say is, or the the first. Uh, um, uh, analysis is who's the owner of the fish, right? We know that the predatory fish ate the tropical fish. Those are facts which are not disputed, that nobody could go ahead and dispute. The question is, who owns a predatory fish? And we know for sure who owns a tropical fish. That also is not subject to any debate. That's not subject to question whatsoever. Now the question is, who exactly is the owner of the predatory fish? So the truth is, is that she gifted him the fish. Now, if you were to say, and this is why, why it's going to be different, Al, from last week. Last week, we, we had a case where a, a fish seller, the fish store owner, misled his customer. So since the fish store owner misled the customer, then it's possible to say that the transaction was a mekach toast. The whole transaction was based on false pretenses and misinformation was given at the time of that transaction. And any time a transaction is subject to false information or misleading information, it nullifies the transaction altogether. That's what we discussed last week. Over here, the lawyer didn't buy any fish from, this, uh, from his secretary whatsoever. She went ahead and gifted him this fish. So you can't claim in the classic sense, mekachtos, that it was a purchase which was made under false pretenses or under with bad information because it was a gift. And usually when you get a gift, you say, here's the gift. Uh, you know, if it turns out to be a fruitcake, so you're stuck with a fruitcake. And if it turns out to be babka or something like that, so then you're thrilled that you got babka. But as a recipient, when you, uh, you know, if you can remember that far back, when you would have Shabbos guests over. So when you have Shabbos guests who are coming over and they drop off a gift. 
So sometimes you get lucky and it may be good food. And sometimes you're not so lucky and you'll think about second time about inviting them again because they went ahead and dropped off this, uh, this fruitcake on your, uh, on, your, on your lap. But either way, a gift is a gift. And whatever they give you, you take it, you accept it. Hopefully you're gracious about it. And if you use it, you use it. If you don't use it, you don't use it. But that's the nature of a gift. And if we apply that over here. Yes. Rabbi Shepard, oh, excuse me. Yes, Bob. What about lifting? I'm sorry about that, uh, that, uh, that fruitcake we dropped off. Oh, yeah. You're not allowed to put a stumbling block in front of the blind. At least on its literal level, I believe that the Minifaschinov says that if, if somebody actually did that, they would be liable for damages. And um, now I don't know if that's, a, I, I just know that opinion, but I don't know whether it's universally accepted. So, but according to him, gave him something that, that uh, she knew to be dangerous. And uh, uh, so that would be like putting a stumbling block in front of the blind. So I, I, I don't know the opinion of the Minchas Chiruch to, uh, to comment fully about it. Um, but we will, uh, part of what you said towards the end about the giving him something which is dangerous and therefore she is going to be liable, that's going to be part of our upcoming analysis. So not specifically the leaf naiver element of it. As I said, that I, I, I can't comment on because I haven't uh, seen that, uh, that, that minchas chinuch. But whether or not uh, she gave him something which is dangerous, so that, uh, that, that we're, we're going to discuss shortly. Okay, so now, so being that it was a gift, so if it's a gift and he accepted the gift, he gladly accepted the gift, so that means that the fish belonged to him. So if our analysis ends over there, that means she gifted him a bunch of predatory fish, he becomes the owner of the predatory fish, then everything which happens after that, when he goes ahead and introduces the predatory fish to, uh, into the tank, into the aquarium with the other tropical fish, it's his fish versus his fish. And if it's his fish versus his fish, so then he was Mazik himself. There's nobody else to blame about this because he's the one, it was his possession which went ahead and damaged his, uh, his other stuff. And if his possessions went ahead and damaged his, other, his stuff, so you can't go ahead and pin that on her. He's going to be responsible for that damage. And that would get her off the hook, at least on a monetary level, because it was all his stuff. Now, what you will argue back to me, and I will acknowledge that argument uh, right out, I'll preempt you, and I will acknowledge that right off the bat, is that you could argue that he's going to say, as a lawyer, he certainly would go ahead and argue this, and say, I only accepted the fish because I thought they were regular tropical fish. So the gift was, it's, it, mekachtos isn't something which is limited to a purchase, to a customer who's buying something. Mekachtos is, is, is a broad language which indicates anytime a Kenyan, anytime an acquisition is done under false pretenses. So maybe you should be able to go ahead and nullify, uh, nullify that, uh, that gift. There's such a thing as a matana betos as well. Certainly on the giver's end of it, if I go ahead and I give you something because I think it's a cubic zirconium and it turns out that it's an actual diamond. So I never meant to give you a, a gift which is worth tens of thousands of dollars. I thought I was giving you a, a gift which is worth 
tens of dollars, not tens of thousands of dollars. So that if, if that can be proven, so that's a matana betos, that's a gift which is given with false information, and that nullifies the gift. You undo the gift in, the, in, in such a case. So maybe you could argue that the same thing is going to be true when the lawyer accepted these fish. He accepted these fish thinking that they were regular tropical fish. They would add value and add beauty to his aquarium. Had he known that these were predatory fish, he was not interested in taking care of predatory fish. That was never part of what he wanted to do. He just wanted something which would be a, 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 something to discuss in his office uh, as customers come in and give them something to remember him by. And that's all that he was really interested in. And therefore, since had he known that they were, uh, that they were predatory fish, he never would have accepted the gift in the first place. So now, if we accept that argument from him, that he says, honestly, had I known that these are predatory fish, I'm not equipped to be able to handle that. I'm not making a setting up a second aquarium in my office. And I never would have, had I known that, I never would have accepted it in the first place. So then it turns out that it would be her fish, which ate his fish. Now, if it turns out that it's her fish, which ate his fish, so maybe we should now, this will be similar to what we talked about the last week. And we'll say that it's her mamon hamazik. It's her possession, her, uh, her uh, possession, her, uh, her, her fish, which are eating his fish. And therefore, we should say that, uh, that, uh, that she should be chayef. Same way if her dog eats somebody else's cat or her cat eats somebody else's bird or whatever the, uh, the case is. So his, her fish went ahead and ate his fish. And therefore, she should be fully responsible. Yes? Excellent. But what caused the Hezek to take place? When she put the jar of fish on his desk, so were those fish damaging in any way at that point? Absolutely not. So the only thing, what allowed the, her, let's just call it for argument's sake, what allowed her predatory fish to go ahead and damage his tropical fish was the fact that he went ahead and put them into his aquarium. So if he went ahead and put it into the, uh, to the aquarium, so is she responsible for that? She never said in the note that, she, that he should put these, the, 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 the gifted fish into his aquarium. She just said, as a token of my appreciation, my deep appreciation for all that you've done for me the past two months, I would like to give you a gift of these fish. So Zolzain, that they're actually her fish. But even if they're her fish, who told him to put her fish, not knowing that they were her fish, but who told him to put her fish into the aquarium? She never said that. She never said they'll look great with the other fish. They'll get along. They'll be best pals, best friends, BFF, best friends forever uh, uh, by, uh, by introducing them into the aquarium. He went ahead and did that. Essentially, what she did was she gave him fish, which, are, which is shamur, which is guarded and protected and incapable of causing damage. And his action went ahead and made them into a bunch of mazikin. So if it's his action which made him, which made the fish into a bunch of mazikin, so how could she be held responsible for his action of creating this hezek? Had he not put them into the aquarium, no hezek would have taken place. So granted they're her fish, but if he goes ahead, if I, if I go uh, to, uh, to the Hamawi, and uh, to, let's assume that they had a, uh, a dog. And I go ahead and I unleash the dog. And after I unleash the Hamawi's dog, 
it comes running into my yard and kills my cat, imagining that I had a cat. So is Hama, would the Hamawis be responsible for the fact that I unchained their dog, which then ran in and then ate my cat? How could they be responsible for that? They didn't do that. I'm the one who unchained it. And then I have to suffer the consequences that I unchanged it because it was only once I went ahead and did so. This is one of the hazards over here. That it's only when I went ahead and I unchained the dog that it became a dog which is capable of doing hazard. And therefore that can be, that can be blamed on the Hamawis who own the dog. That's blamed on me for unchaining the dog and then I bring in the, the damage on myself. So in the same way, she's going to say, you're right. It, had you known that they're predatory fish, you never would have accepted it as a gift. So really they're my fish. But the way I gave you the fish, the fish couldn't do any harm. They were contained in a jar and they cannot hurt your fish from where they are now. You went ahead and unknowingly unchained them by putting them into your aquarium. That's not my fault, that's your fault. And since that's not my fault, that's your fault. There's no financial responsibility she has whatsoever. And that's what we call she's going to be exempt from uh, if he tries to go ahead and takes her to basin to pay for his dead tropical fish. So she would be able to argue successfully that I'm not responsible for that. You unchained the, the predatory fish. You brought the damage upon yourself. You know, go cry your uh, salty tears in your saltwater tropical fish tank. But it's not my responsibility to go ahead and reimburse you for something that you brought upon yourself. Okay. Rabbi Chef? Yeah. Do you, do you not consider intent when you evaluate something, if the intent is obvious? Um, intent by itself, that, that will be relevant uh, when we're almost done. But in terms of liability, uh, intent is not, intent by itself, intent to damage, but not actually doing the damage doesn't create liability. Since he but brought it upon himself, do, even... Yeah? You do bring it upon he he did not bring it upon himself. He only brought it him, upon himself indirectly because he was under the impression that these fish were were good fish to put in with his other fish. Otherwise, why in the world would she given him would have given him the fish? She didn't. She knew he didn't have two tanks. So, so I, 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 obviously I'm, they were going in the. I'm going to quibble a little bit about your wording. I'm doing so because I think it makes an important halachic difference. So it's not, uh, uh, you said that, uh, that he did it um, uh, unintentionally. He, he, he did it unknowingly, but he did it intentionally. Uh, yeah, unknowingly, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. It's unknowingly. So, 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 but that, that's, that's gonna make a major difference in the halacha because again, who did, who did the action that caused the, the hazard? He did it. By him pouring in the predatory fish into the, with the, putting it in the tank with the tropical fish, the action which created the damage, which created the, the, the environment for the damage to occur, he did that unknowingly, but he's the one who did that. She didn't do any of that. She didn't introduce them together. She misled him into doing that. Which and was also, also, the fish um, actually belonged to him until he puts them into the tank and finds out that they're predatory. Because up until that point, he accepted them. Once he found out they're predatory, then he no longer accepts them. Right, but that, that would go backwards to the time that he originally accepted the gift. So that means all along, we have to rewrite history. 
and now say that they never left her possession. They were her fish from the time that she walked out of the fish store when she purchased them, and they remained her, hers all along. So we will go okay. back in time and we'll rewrite that, uh, that chapter of history. The, so does, does halacha have no punishment for attempted murder? Um, correct. If, we're, if, we're, if, we're, if we'll shift over, I mean, it's a dramatic shift, but it's just, it, it's just in terms of um, the emotions of it, but you're correct. Midor uh, 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 there's no punishment for attempted murder. That's correct. Wow. If you, if you shoot and miss, <laughs> so Lemaisa, you didn't kill the person. Wow. Now, re- remember, uh, w- with your wow, I'm saying Midoraisa. There's, an, there, there, there's a, a, uh, you know, a uh, 72 size font asterisk on that, <laughs> on that which is, which says that uh, uh, local based in, in Sanhedrin, that's the, they have the super judicial powers to go ahead and protect society. And in order to protect society, you have to punish attempted murderers. So the local uh, basin or, lo- or the Sanhedrin, they have the ability to put in place whatever punishments they want in order to serve as a deterrent so that people shouldn't try uh, and murder other people. But the Torah is very specific. Remember, uh, Art, according to the Torah, if, uh, if Ruvain shoots Shimon in cold blood and there's no Adim or there are witnesses, but they don't give Hasra, there's also no punishment. So that's not even attempt murder, that's murder one. Uh, legally, we would call that murder one. But without the lacking hasra, so there's nothing the Torah says you could do to the murderer. Right? Yes, Art? Yeah, I, I hear you. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, so now if we take it down to fish, you know, even putting aside my, my relationship with fish, but even without that, it's, uh, you know, Attempted murder of fish is something which is going to, uh, you know, will be, uh, you know, some of us consider that to be a mitzvah. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. So now, uh, once we go ahead and we exempt him from, uh, we exempt her from financial liability. So now what's going to be the story? Not everything ends with that. Because you have cases, and we'll have a couple of them here. We'll try and go through them quickly. Uh, where even if a person isn't high of Medine, Medine Adam, there is such a concept of being chay v'dine shamayim. So let's take an example. We'll, we'll read them maybe one after the other and we'll see them two, uh, together. So number one is, hashaleach, this is also in Baba Kama, Nun Testament base. Mishnah says, I don't know why that. Hashaleach has a be'era b'yad chereshot v'katan. So you go ahead and you take a coal, a hot coal, B-O-A-L, and you go ahead and you give it to, um, let's say, uh, let's just for simplicity, a shoti. You give it to somebody who's insane, somebody who's incapable of be, uh, of watching things responsibly. Somebody's incapable of being responsible. So, and they go ahead and they take that burning coal and they drop it somewhere. And wherever they drop it, it ignites and uh, burns something down, causes some damage. So the halach is you, the owner of the coal, who gave that coal to the irresponsible person, so you, the owner of that coal, you're exempt from liability in Basin. Basin cannot say, hold you responsible financially for the damage, but you should know that if you don't take care of it after 120, when you get to Shemayim, they'll say, listen, 
you were indirectly responsible for the burning down of that uh, that family, your neighbor's uh, shed, because you gave the coal to somebody who was irresponsible. And therefore, since you never uh, took care of that during your lifetime, we're going to send you back as a snail. So be reincarnated as a snail or a frog or something like that. That's Now, Amar Reish Lakish, Reish Lakish says on this, Amar Reish Lakish, Reish Lakish in the name of Chizkiah explains, Lo Shanu, Lo Shanu, El Shemasu Gachel's Veliba. When do we say that you're Chayav only Bidine Shemayim, that there's a heavenly obligation, sometimes we translate it as a moral obligation, to go ahead and make amends? That's where you gave the irresponsible person a coal, and the irresponsible person went ahead and fanned that coal into a flame. So that's where he participated. The irresponsible person participated somewhat in creating the object which caused damage. He created the fire with your coal. But since he created the fire, so that's why you're not going to be held responsible in Basin. Have a muscle of shall have it. But if you go ahead and you give the irresponsible person a burning torch, an actual live fire, then Chayev. So then you are going to be responsible for whatever he ignites with your torch. My timer. What's the reason for that? Because in that case, when you gave him an actual fire, Maisav Kagarmulo, that's considered to be your action. Because you gave him the thing, which is the, the, the object of Hezek. You actually gave that to him directly. And therefore, that's considered to be much more irresponsible on your part. And since that's gross negligence on your part to give an irresponsible person a fire, you're going to be chayv even in Dine Adam, even Basin could go ahead and hold you liable for that. Similarly, we have another case, source number three over here, we'll, we'll read. It says, the Tanya, the Brisa teaches, also Gemara and Baba Kama Mem Zayinam Abeis, the Brisa says, So you have a neighbor who has a dog which just barks incessantly. You're trying to take a nap Shabbos afternoon, and the dog is just barking, 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 barking. You keep telling the neighbor, can you get your dog to shut up already? I'm trying to take a nap at Shabbos afternoon. I work hard during the week. And he just laughs at you and thinks it's funny that his dog is keeping you awake. So you said, enough is enough already. And you go ahead and you put a little uh, uh, hot sauce into the cholent. And you go ahead and you put it out for the dog. And the dog goes ahead and takes one bite of that hot sauce cholent and dies. So it's not really, actually, I shouldn't say hot sauce because that would be misleading. You actually put poison, you put rat poison into the cholent and the dog goes ahead and eats the uh, cholent with the rat poison and dies. So they're also, you are exempt from uh, liability in Basin for killing the neighbor's dog, but you're going to be high of Bidine Shemaim. There's going to be some sort of heavenly accountability which you have. Now, remember, we, have, we discussed this last week. What's the reason it's going to be only a heavenly responsibility? Elahainu time, what Toso says over there, the reason why you can't be held responsible in Basin is, even Shabbat maybe I love Davashimaziko. Because Lamaisa, you didn't do the act of damage directly. You just put it out there for the dog to eat, and the dog on its own decided to go ahead and eat your cholent. So being that the dog went ahead and it brought the hezek upon itself, it went ahead and ate the, uh, the poison on its own. You didn't go ahead and put the poison into the dog's mouth. So therefore, that's not enough uh, 
uh, uh, action on your part to hold you financially responsible, to hold you responsible in basin for the dead dog. So therefore, in both of these cases, we say that if you are uh, only distantly involved in the damage which resulted, whether it's going to be the fire, which, uh, which uh, uh, the, uh, the uh, irresponsible person went ahead and created off of your burning coal, it's not a fire, but a hot coal, or whether it is your poison which you put out there and then the neighbor's dog went ahead and ate it and therefore uh, died from that. In both of those cases, although there's not enough liability to hold you responsible in Basin, Basin cannot force you to pay. Nonetheless, there is enough responsibility that you have that there's this thing called Chai of Bidine Shemayim, that you have a heavenly or moral responsibility to make amends for what you did. This is going to be a little bit, Charlene, where intent is going to be relevant. So since you did want this to happen, that's why you put the poison into the chalk, or that may very, very well be why you sent the irresponsible person out with the, uh, with the uh, thing. If you have a neighbor that, uh, that you're unhappy with, you send your two-year-old with a Sharpie to go visit their house. So a two-year-old with a Sharpie could do all sorts of damage to the walls and the wallpaper and all sorts of, uh, all sorts of things. So although you didn't actually draw all over the walls, it was a two-year-old who went ahead and did so. But since you gave an irresponsible person a Sharpie, so what did you think was going to happen other than they're going to go ahead and ruin the walls? So there's, although, there is such a thing called so the question is over here, does that apply? Is that a precedent to say in this case as well that the secretary is going to be because of what she did by gifting the, uh, the, uh, the lawyer these what turned out to be predatory fish, which she went ahead and put into his fish tank. So what do you think? Yes, no? She's, she's coming back as a, as a tropical fish who's going to be eaten by a predatory fish? <laughs> well, you're, you're setting, you, you set this, the story up by saying that she was the fish lady. She was in charge of the fish in the, in the office, yeah. So, so that wasn't, she didn't go to school for that. No, but the way you set up the case was that the lawyer looks at her as like she's the one in charge of the, of the fish. And there's right. one fish tank in the office and she left it in the office, I'm assuming on his desk, that faces the fish tank. There's, even though, yes, she could take that and, you know, you could take that and say, you know, go put it in another fish tank, but it's clear that she's giving instruction, you know, almost that, you know, like, here, add these to your fish tank. I mean, that's, it's, and, and, and because he relied on her to take care of the fish tank, he would, it's more than intent. I mean, I don't think she, it, this is more than her intent. I think she's, she's, she's pushing him in that direction. Yeah, so she, she definitely primed him for that. That goes back to the first source, which we saw, the Maharaj, right. you know, the Shofani. Right, he so did, he... hence, hence the Chayv Bidine Shemayim, Bidine Adam, you just, you 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 also set it up that you know he he made he did the misa. He but but since she pushed them in that direction. Okay, so so yes, okay, so yeah, yeah, she primed them. So you you're you're saying that there's already enough culpability to make her chai bedine Right. Okay, so now 
Uh, one could argue, and I'm not saying that I'm uh, 100% convinced of this, uh, this argument. One could argue that the two cases that we had in the Gemara uh, about the, uh, the poison and the coal, which was given to the irresponsible person, are not a precedent for our case over here. What would be the difference? The difference between them is, is that poison, as is, is a dangerous thing. Putting out poison where an animal could go ahead and eat it, so that poison is something by definition is a dangerous thing, and it's not contained. It's not contained or protected that the animal can't get to it. It is in a state where if an animal eats this poison, the animal will die. So it's in a state where all of its potential to do damage is present. All you need is the animal to come along and actually eat it. Or if you have a hot coal, it may not be a fire, but a hot coal put, in the, put on a piece of paper or put on something which is highly flammable. So that coal as is, is something which is in its current state can cause all sorts of damage. So both the poison as well as the coal in their current state are primed and ready to go ahead and do damage. They just need to be put into the correct location. When she went ahead and she gave him a container of fish, a, a glass bowl of fish, and let's just, just to make it uh, simple over here, let's say the container, that's why I mentioned this at the beginning, let's say the container was completely enclosed. Don't ask me how the fish breathe, but the container was completely closed. So he went ahead and gifts her a predatory fish. That's true, they're predatory fish. But predatory fish in their own container, what damage could they do? Absolutely nothing. If that container, as is, were to be put into the aquarium, what are those fish going to do? They still can't damage. They can't damage because she gifted him something which is potentially dangerous, but completely contained in a way where in its current state, it cannot cause damage. So being that in its current state, it cannot cause damage whatsoever, that takes her even a step further back from even Dine Shemayim culpability because she did not put something out there which in its current state is capable of doing damage. It's actually incapable of doing damage as she left it. Last she touched these fish, they were incapable of doing any damage whatsoever. That, yeah, that works who, with the poison, but put, if the, with the case of the show with of the coal, I mean, if you if you change the coal into a into a lighter, would it would it work differently? Because a lighter is by itself it's not a fire, it's not coal. Right, because coal there's here. a safe state, a safe state for the lighter. The lighter has a safe state. The right. coal doesn't. The the poison doesn't. There's no safe state for the poison. Right, the, 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 Sachi, that's excellent. Thank you, Ellen, for that. I like that safe state. So uh, a, a lighter, you're, you're absolutely correct, Sachi. A lighter would be fundamentally different than an actual fire or a coal. Because a lighter by itself, unless you go ahead and you, you know, you flick it, whatever you do, uh, it, it's incapable of doing damage as is. So the Gemara, if the, 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 if the Gemara were to discuss giving a lighter to Cherashot Vikatan, that would be that's that would be the argument that we're saying that if you give a lighter rather than a coal which is already burning hot to a Cherashot Vikatan, to somebody irresponsible, there's nothing that could do damage right now. Until they come along and they create the potential damage by actually, let's just say, flicking the light. If you give a match to a Cherashot Vikatan, a match by itself can't do damage. You have to 
you know, flick the match in order for to create a fire out of it, and then damage will occur. But the thing by itself is not capable of doing damage as is. So that would be a step removed from the case of a poison or the case of a burning hot coal, which it may not be as 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 uh, uh, um, it may not be able to ignite as many things as an actual fire, but it is dangerous as is. The Gemara talks about many cases. If you remember in Baba Kama, we talk about a dog which takes a coal and drops it on a gadish, drops it on a pile of, of straw and burns it down. So coal, given the right conditions, is 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 a dangerous thing in and as is. It's already dangerous. As Ellen said, it's not in a safe state if you have a burning coal. So being that you gave something which is not in a safe state to somebody irresponsible, that is clearly irresponsible on your part, enough that we can say, but if I gave you something or I gave something to somebody which is in a safe state and they unsafed it, my tendency to go ahead and make verbs out of things. So if they go ahead and they unsafe it, so that's your responsibility that they unsafe it, that they're doing. So that may be two steps already away from liability for damage. And that those two steps is enough to say that the person isn't even high b'dine Except that nobody puts in a, a totally enclosed um, fish into their fish tank. That's just that's not done. So how do you say he's removed from it when there, then you would, when you would never have Maybe he could go ahead and he could there find out about- There has to be this. openings anyway for the fish to breathe. So couldn't find but, out about yeah, what? Right. But, but, but maybe he could have gone ahead and he could have inquired, he could have, uh, you know, uh, taken a picture with his phone and Googled, you know, what type of fish it is and find out if it's a predatory fish. Or he could go ahead and he could have, he could have just left him in that tank as is. Who told him to go ahead and introduce into the aquarium? He could have, there's the big aquarium and then there's a little aquarium. Red fish, blue fish, big fish, small fish. You know, you have, so when you, you have different so, uh, fish around the, uh, around the office. So when you get a gift, you're supposed to investigate the gift before you use it or do anything with it. Like the fruitcake, do you make sure that it's kosher first? I mean, do you, do you go to the bakery and you say, Listen, did you put anything in here that's not kosher, even though it's a kosher bakery? Do you do that? Or do you investigate everything that you get to see, you know, whether if you got a platter, do you look to see if there's lead in it or if there's something dangerous in there to use it first? So, so let, 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 let me, let me shift, it over, shift it over just, just, uh, just a little bit. Uh, let's say I go ahead and you, or let's say you get Yeshiva Shalach Manos. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, check, do you check to make sure that uh, everything is parv? Do you assume everything is parv or you check to find out whether something's milchik? Let's say they put one of I these exotic things in there, you know, with, as only a Shiva Shalchmanos could come up with. And it turns out that, uh, you know, you didn't expect there was, go there was going to be milchik. And it turns out it was milchik and you went ahead and you uh, included it with your Shabbos meal. Is your Shiva responsible for that? Or they gave you something? Read the package. You could read the package. Right. So, right, but that, when but I give it, yes, I, you know, what? I don't know. That doesn't that doesn't seem the same as as giving somebody somebody predatory fish or putting poison in a dog's uh, food and food for a dog. I mean, it just seems uh, right, okay. So, now, so now, now let me get back to your your point about intent. 
as far as Nakama is concerned, she was over the Isidaraisa of Losikon Velosito, this week's Parsha, right? She went ahead and she took revenge by, by, uh, by, uh, uh, for the way that he treated her for the time that she was there. That's certainly an Isidaraisa. As far as Leif Neiver Losite Michshol, it may very well be that through her action, she also misled him into violate, and she violated the Isidar of Leif Neiver Losite Michshol. Both of those things, that's what's a, a very important point. And we've talked about this in Shul before, but it's a very important over here. And I, I wrote that, I wrote it down in, the, in my notes over here that uh, it's essential. And I think some of our Western culture thinking and certainly 21st culture thinking uh, leads us in a different direction, but it's very important to differentiate in Chosha Mishpat between somebody who's a dirty rotten scoundrel and somebody who's liable financially. And not every dirty rotten scoundrel has to pay for their scoundrel kite, whatever, <laughs> whatever the, 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 the noun for that would be. So not every time somebody behaves badly and where their bad behavior causes somebody else damage, can you say, since you behave badly and you cause damage, you have to pay. There's a, in halacha, there's a vast difference between somebody who's a dirty round scoundrel, and we know they're a dirty round scoundrel because they violated Los Sikon Velocitor, they violated Kamocha, they may have violated this Adoraisa of Lifnei Velocite Michel. We could have a whole laundry list of Isurim which they violated in the course of their behavior, but that doesn't automatically translate into financial liability, whether Bidine Adam or even Bidine Shemayim. And this goes back to that theme which we've talked about the, you know, over the years that people think sometimes that the goal of Yiddishkeit and the goal of Halacha is to avoid going to Gehenna. In this regard, it's going to be avoid financial liability. Just because you've successfully shielded yourself from financial liability doesn't mean you're a tzaddik. If we could you know, use that, that, that example that we give, which is actually a funny pun in this regard, uh, uh, Bob, but just because you went ahead and you're not financially responsible, doesn't mean you get Mafter Yonah. <laughs> Mafter Yonah is going to be the wrong thing for you over here because it's too fishy. But nonetheless, just because you're going to, you're a bad person, we're not going to give you, uh, we're not going to give you Mafter Yonah, doesn't mean that we can, we can hold you financially responsible. Those are two different partials altogether. And over here, she, she behaved completely out of line in, in terms of halacha. But liability is something which has very specific parameters Bad behavior isn't enough to make you liable. There has to be very specific uh, uh, and very active triggers in order to create that liability. And if somebody behaves badly, we talk about that the sinner shouldn't profit. But if somebody's a smart sinner, uh, on the Pasuk says, that those who want to behave badly, they could go ahead and they could take advantage of the halachic system and they could behave badly and shield themselves from liability. And here would be an example of, of somebody who went ahead and did so. But the bottom line is, it's going to be very difficult to go ahead and pin on her some sort of specific financial liability for what she did, despite all the things which she did bad, badly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you going to say something, Art, or no? no? I'm just curious, is this a true story? It really happened? Um, uh, so I, I don't know. I didn't get the Shiloh. I saw the child discussed in the safer. Um, so, and I, ca I can't tell you for sure that this person who put down the Shiloh necessarily, uh, you know, had the Shiloh. Um, if, if it wasn't the Shiloh, which happened to Misa, uh, I give this Diane uh, credit for his creative writing skills. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> okay. So whether it's whether it's true or not, I think Beryl Wine says all my stories are true, just some of them haven't happened yet. So I think that may be applicable uh, over here. Yes, Mel. Uh, does the secretary get any credit for giving him some beautiful fish, even though they're predatory? He wouldn't have put them in the tank if he didn't think they were they were enhanced the tank. So they had to be nice looking. So she should get credit for that. <laughs> um, yeah. So it, it, at some point, I'm sure we'll deal with the with the Shaila Lamaisa, where uh, I tried to do damage and I ended up. Uh, 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 generating a few financial benefits <laughs> and whether or not you owe me money for what I did, because ultimately at the end of the day, I ended up, uh, you know, benefiting you rather than, uh, than harming you. They could have been more expensive than the fish you had in there. Yeah, indeed. 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 Okay. Excellent. So thank you very much, everybody for, uh, for coming. Appreciate it. Next week, classes are moving to 